to Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. And if you could have just one eye on verses 12 and 13. Verses 12 and 13. So, 2,000 years ago, in Bethlehem, in Judea, a baby was born. God became man. I'll say that again. 2,000 years ago, in Bethlehem, in Judea, a baby was born. God became man. And in that town and in that stable and faced with this miraculous event, how did people respond to Jesus' birth? How did they react uh, to this miraculous birth? Well, what does scripture tell us about people's reaction? Well, what did the angels do? The angels praised God, didn't they? What about the magi? What about the the wise men? How did they respond to Jesus' birth? Well, Matthew tells us that they bowed down and they worshipped. Okay? So that's the angels and the magi. Who else? Uh, What about the shepherds? How did the shepherds respond? Well, they went and they saw Jesus. And the next thing that they did was to spread the word. Okay, and then what about Mary? It's the last one. What was Mary's reaction to what had happened? Well, if you read uh, certainly the account in Luke's gospel of the run-up to Jesus' birth and the, the birth account itself, you hear the same refrain time and time again about Mary. Okay, and it says that Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. So you've got then really quite a wide variety of responses to the birth of Jesus, don't you? A wide, wide variety. And this morning, what we did was we considered the first part of our necessary response to the incarnation that we must what was it we must praise jesus because of the incarnation that we must praise him with our whole heart but tonight this evening let's consider a second necessary response to the incarnation that given the the incredible lengths that Jesus went to in order to become man, that we must respond by living lives of holiness, that we must pursue righteousness and purity. Okay, let's let's just jump in. Let's open our Bibles. Let's just get to the text And let's look at these two verses, verses 12 and 13. And let's consider a couple of things, or three things, about this necessary response of holiness, of holiness. And let's think about a first point tonight. Point one is this. We see here 
an appeal for sanctification. An appeal for sanctification. Now, most people have your Bibles open in front of you just now. So, just if you have a look at the very first word of uh, verse 12, and when you do that, you know what I'm going to say next. Because I'm reckoning between us, okay, there's not many in the building tonight, but between us, I reckon we've listened to uh, hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of sermons, and I'm sure that we've all heard ministers say that if you see the word, therefore, you ask, what is the therefore, therefore? Okay, so let's ask that. And uh, Paul starts in that way, and he starts verse 12 like that, so that we see the connection with what has come before. Because Paul's going to make in verse 12 and 13, he's going to make this grand appeal for holy living, isn't he? But he doesn't do that in isolation. He does it, as one writer says, now this is a a very flowery quote, but it's a good one, so stick with me on this. The chap says that Paul doesn't make this appeal in isolation. He makes the, the appeal... While we still have in our ears the celestial music, infinitely sweet and full, of the great paragraph of the Incarnation. Now you see, the Apostle Paul, he doesn't make theological statements just for the sake of it. He never ever does that. You see, it's characteristic of Paul to link his theology, to Christian practice. He never just gives us the truth. Paul never does that. He gives us the truth, and then he applies the truth too. And that's what we've got here, because he doesn't just tell us of the wonder of the incarnation. He links that to an appeal for change in our lives. So think of it like this. Essentially, he says, since Christ has done that for you, since Christ has humbled himself, since Christ has become obedient even to the point of death, since he has provided this example for you, then because of that, because of what Christ has done, work out your salvation. So there is a vital connection here, a vital connection to what has come before. Okay, that's fine. But surely, at this point, we have to address the rather large elephant in the room, don't we? And there is an elephant in the room in these Verses, Because it sounds, on first reading, like Paul is advocating salvation by works, doesn't it? He says, work out your salvation. It sounds like he's saying that we can attain or we can work towards our salvation. 
But we know, don't we, that that is absolutely not the case at all. So let's, at this point, be very clear. Let's be perfectly clear on this fundamental issue, that the Bible never, ever, it does not even hint that we can merit our salvation, that we can work toward or attain our salvation. And we only need to just glance up the page, okay? Because if you see chapter 1 and verse 28, you see there that Paul says, very simply, you will be saved, and that, how? By God. You will be saved by God. Salvation can't be attained, it can't be merited, it is a gift. And if you think about it, really, and you think about the way he phrases verse 12, is very clever. Because Paul doesn't say in verse 12, he doesn't say that you can work for your salvation. And he doesn't say you work to get your salvation. He says work it out. Work out your salvation. So we can think of it as something that is received. It is our possession. And it's something to be examined Work out your salvation. So if Paul's not talking about salvation by works, then what exactly, folks, is he appealing for? He's not talking about salvation by works. What is he appealing for? Well, it's the time of year for Christmas films, isn't it? Christmas films. I don't know what your favourite Christmas film is. Is it Elf? I don't know why I looked at you there. But, uh, it might be uh, White Christmas, another classic. Um, now, I came home from the prayer meeting on Thursday night, and I stuck on the TV, and uh, I thought, right, we'll see if there's any Christmas films on. I flicked through the channels, and there was one solitary film on uh, on the TV on Thursday night. And it wasn't exactly a festive film. It was the original and the classic Rocky film. And I was delighted, I have to say. And I switched on just at the moment where Sylvester Stallone is beginning to do his training for this big fight against Apollo Creed. And I switched on and the music kicked in. And there's Rocky doing his press-ups and his sit-ups and he's doing some skipping. And he's running these countless miles uh, through the city. And that's the sort of thing that Paul's talking about in verse 12. Because it's not about meriting or attaining salvation. It's about the Christian's ongoing sanctification. It's about the Christian's lifelong training. Training in holiness. You know that, that, that rigorous and that intensive pursuit of, of righteousness and purity. And a lifelong running away from sin. So working out your salvation. It's about sanctification 
sanctification, a lifelong pursuit of holiness. Now, one of the other free churches, uh, one up in Inverness, it is organizing a trip in 2013, a trip to uh, Palestine and Israel. And the group is going to uh, visit a number of places mentioned in the Bible. And I was uh, reading about this, but I was also reading about a bloke um, who recently climbed to the summit of Mount Sinai. Sounds very impressive. And uh, especially so because the guy in question wasn't in very good health. He climbed to the top and uh, it took him hours and hours and hours and hours to get there. And he did it at night. Which I had to think, if you weren't in the best of health, It's probably not the wisest thing to do in the world, but he did. And although uh, some of the the people in his group, they they made the ascent on camels, this guy was scared of camels, so he he didn't have uh, that option either. But he said it was grueling climb. He said it was so incredibly difficult and that he had to climb through the pain barrier But he knew that no matter what happened, that he had to just keep on. He had to get to the summit. He had to press on and persevere. And eventually, this guy, he got to the summit of Mount Sinai, and he got there just as the sun was coming up, as the sun was rising. And he saw this across the valley from the summit of Mount Sinai. And that picture of uh, persevering through hardship, of persevering through, through trials and difficulties, that takes us to a second thing that we really have to note here tonight. We've seen the appeal. Now let's consider the activity of sanctification. The activity of sanctification. Because Paul emphasizes here the ongoing nature, the ongoing nature of our pursuit of holiness. Because if you look at verse 12 again, he says, continue to work out your salvation. Continue to work out your salvation. It is ongoing. And I think if we're honest with ourselves tonight, that can be where we so often slip up. You know, we can easily become uh, dejected as Christians. We can become unenthused. We can give up these healthy habits that we have. We can give up seeking God on a regular basis and communicating with him. We can, very simply, we can stop working out our salvation. For example, let's think of an example. We can get to a certain age as believers and we can think, okay, I've lived my life as a Christian. My life and work as a Christian 
is behind me and now I can kind of take my foot off the gas. You know, I'll, I'll concentrate on other things. I'll concentrate on myself, on, on my family, on my, on my work, on my retirement. But you see, we're told here that we are to continue, that we're continue to work out our salvation, that we, no matter what happens to us, that we have to persevere in this, that we've got to keep working towards holiness, whether we're eight years old or whether we're 80 years old. But why? Why do we have to do that? Why mustn't we give up? Well, friends, because the world's watching us. The world is watching. And the world will judge our Savior by our actions. That's why we must keep on and persevere in our holiness. We must continue to work out our salvation. Now, I remember years and years ago, uh, this was back in Inverness, and uh, I was in an orchestra, and I was told that the orchestra was going to be playing a Christmas concert at a local church. And I didn't really think that much about it. I was pretty relaxed, kind of nonchalant about the whole thing. And I thought, you know, we're just playing a few carols in a small church somewhere. It's going to be fine. And so I didn't do any practice uh, whatsoever uh, for the concert. But then the day came. And as soon as I arrived at the church and realized where it was, my attitude completely and utterly changed because I was dropped off at the biggest, this huge church in Inverness. And then I saw the people coming in, and there were hundreds and hundreds of people. And I realized very quickly, this wasn't just a few cows, that this was a black tie event, and it was a very, very prestigious Christmas concert. I remember sitting there just before playing and you could hear a, a pin drop in the church. And I remember sitting there just wishing that I had practiced once in Royal David City just, just, just a couple of times. You see, when I realized the gravity of what was going on, the gravity of it all, my attitude changed And I took it far more seriously. And our sanctification is an ongoing work. But it's also to be done in a certain attitude too. It's to be reverent work. Reverent work. Because what else does Paul say in verse 12? He says, he tells us to work out our salvation. But he tells us to do it with fear and trembling with fear and trembling so what does that mean well it means surely that this this lifelong training that we've got embark upon as christians that it's actually a very very serious thing indeed it's not something that we take lightly 
And I'm sure that you would agree that this is not something that we're good at. This is something that we've lost. This sense of reverence toward our holiness. We've lost that. Now think back in your church history. Think about the, the early church. Now they took holiness incredibly seriously, didn't they? And then think about the reformers, the likes of Calvin, and Zwingli, Martin Luther and these guys. They, they were reverent. They took holiness seriously. And what about the Puritans? And the Puritans, they absolutely prioritized holiness. And then think about us. Think about the church, the modern church, the church in the 21st century. Do we take our personal holiness seriously? Is it important? You see, our churches up and down the land, okay, length and breadth of Britain, they're fairly empty, aren't they? And then you think about our prayer meetings and our house groups and these sorts of things. They're pretty sparsely attended. And we talk about it in terms of, well, we're not attracting unbelievers into our church. And that is true. But that's only part of it. The other part is the fact that the Christians in our congregations are not attending these meetings attending church, they're not attending prayer meetings or house groups. You see, friends, we, you and I, we have to regain a sense of the, the gravity and the importance of what we're dealing here, dealing with here. You see, Christ died. He humbled himself and he became obedient to death. Why? so that we might be seen as holy before God. And yet, okay, we can't work to save ourselves, but we do have a part to play in our ongoing sanctification. Our holiness, your personal holiness, it is vital, absolutely vital and important. We are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, uh, do you go in for Christmas presents much in your family? Is it a big deal this year? I think Maisie's hoping it is. Uh, Well, some people do. Some people really go in for Christmas presents. And uh, I know a married couple who one year they bought each other electric bikes. Ah, Electric bikes. Now these things are absolutely amazing. They are fantastic. Um, Now they look like just your regular normal push bikes but somewhere on them they've got a wee electric motor. Fantastic. So you can be cycling along and you get to a hill And everyone thinks that that you're managing very fit and able to cycle up this hill. But in actual fact, what you've done is just very sneakily click the electric motor 
into gear and you're getting a bit of help to go up the difficult terrain or the steep slope, whatever it is. And we see this hidden help. We see this hidden support in the last thing that we'll see tonight. And that's point three, the assistance with sanctification. The assistance with sanctification. Because here we see the flip side. Here we see the other side of the coin. Because, yeah, you and I are to be active in our pursuit of holiness. We're to be considering our lives and we're to be striving for holiness. But on top of that, look at verse 13. It says that God assists us in this work. Paul says, verse 13, he says, God works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. God works in you. What fantastic words. And you see, this work that God performs in us, in our sanctification, it happens at the very core of who we are. He transforms us and he transforms our very nature. I don't know if you know Ephesians 3 very well. But Ephesians 3, Paul says there, he says these words. I pray that out of his glorious riches, that God may strengthen you in your inner being. Your inner being. So do you see God's active in your heart? He is active in us. And he's active not in a kind of superficial or a shallow way. He's active to change us at our very nature and our very core. So let me ask you at this point, just as we think about closing, how is your spiritual life just now? Are you despairing? As a Christian, are you perhaps spiritually dry just now? Spiritually fatigued and, and unenthused? Well, surely there's encouragement here. Surely be encouraged by the fact that God is at work in your heart. Be encouraged by that, but also be encouraged by the fact that that work in your heart is ongoing Right now. Just now. Because that word that Paul uses, the word for God works in you, in the Greek, it's a present participle. And that means that this work that that God does in your heart, that's happening just now. That God is at work in you. Right now, he is at work to mold you and to to shape you and to change you and to make you like Jesus Christ. He is at work in you today. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that wonderful news? And then we end. We end tonight. Our final, final point. What's the aim of all of this? What is the the end point of our sanctification? Well, despite how it might look 
And really, despite how it might feel to us because of our sin, the end point of our sanctification is this day when believers will be made perfect. Isn't that fantastic? There is a day when you will be made perfect in Jesus Christ. What joy that is. And you see, the word that I mentioned ago, that present participle, okay? The word for God working in you is the word in the Greek, energeo. Energeo. And it has a sense of work that will be with certainty accomplished. It will be completed. God's work in your heart, it will be finished. You see, in the previous chapter, in chapter 1 and verse 6, Paul says this. It's an incredibly famous verse. I'm sure you know it. He says that he is confident of this. What is he confident of? That he who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. So, brothers and sisters, tonight, be certain of this. Be certain that as a believer, you're going to be molded and you're going to be shaped and be certain of the fact that one day you will stand as perfect before your king. Christ Jesus. And you might sit there and think, yeah, come on, how can that be true? Come on, I'm a sinner. How can we talk of perfection? Well, that's true. Why? Because 2,000 years ago, in Bethlehem, in Judea, a baby was born. God became man. So this Christmas, praise Jesus. Praise him that he came to earth. But also this Christmas, let's take our holiness seriously. And let's all of us continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Let's pray.